Come on, give Jesus the praise clap if you're ready. And let's stand to your feet. And go ahead and turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. And we're going to start reading in verse number three. It's a very wonderful passage of scripture. See how our Lord responded when he was challenged. Matthew chapter four, verse three. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We honor you for your word. Everything stops. Everything must bow to your word. Your word is full of power. It is full of light. Your word, God, is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. And God, we're ready to eat this morning. So, Lord, we're asking today that you would feed us the bread of life. Feed us this morning in our spirits. And then, God, give us the capacity to exercise that which you have put into us. So we might truly change our community and ultimately our world. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Well, we have been in a series for the past few months entitled Run to Win. And so in this series, we have drawn parallels from the Olympics Olympic athletes on what it takes to win in life. And I really enjoyed uh, bringing this series because I really do believe that God wants us to win in life. And it's so, it's so very, very important that we understand what it looks like. And so, and so we started this series by way of recap. We started this series in week one talking about the importance of a winning mind. 
winning in the mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We had concluded in that message that many of us, we lose uh, oftentimes or we're losing because our thought life is not right. And so we talked about the importance of making sure that we have a winning attitude. And then week two, we talked about the importance of preparation. Everybody say preparation. We talked about preparation. We talked about the, the importance of developing a plan. So now after God has given you a dream and after God has given you a vision, it's then your responsibility to develop a strategy or a plan. And so one of the things that we have concluded in that particular message is that many of us, we may have a dream, we may have a vision, but we lack planning. So we talked about the importance of planning. God expects us to do that. And then last week, we talked about the importance of determination. Now understand that as we had looked at the lives of those who are Olympians, one of the things that we see is we, and we love the Olympics so much is we see that there's great determination. And we love to see when people overcome obstacles in life and, and they still come out on top. And so we talked about the fact that God has woven within uh, the, the, the fabric of all of our lives obstacles and challenges. And that's why the Bible tells us that thinking not strange concerning these fiery trials. And so this is all a part of what God's, God does in order to, to birth us to the next level or move us to the desired destination. And so we want to conclude today with talking about focus. The title of my message today, for those who want to write it down, is Focus and Win. Say that with me. Focus and Win. Say it again. Focus and Win. One of the things we do see in athletes, those Olympic athletes, is they have great focus. Because the object of their pursuit requires tremendous discipline. How many know that they cannot, you, you and I, we cannot live an undisciplined life, and win at the level that God wants us to win. See, just like an Olympian who's, who's preparing, how do you know that they can't eat whatever they want? They may have a taste for McDonald's and Burger King. They might even like to eat it every day, but they can't do that. Why? Because they have a goal in mind. They can't party hard five days a week and sleep into the wee hours of the morning. Or they can't train whenever they feel like it. How I many you know that if you're going to walk with God and if you're going to be successful in the kingdom, you got to know how to override your feelings and beat down your flesh? Because we concluded that in most cases, in a lot of cases, you're not going to feel like doing what God wants you to do. But if you're going to win in life, and if those folks who are Olympians, when they win, you know, there are times when, when they're tired, there are times when they're going through so much, but they got to press through. Everybody say press. They, they got to press through, and when they press through, they come out on top. And so the important thing that we must understand about this is that God has given all of us a plan. Now, there are so many verses that talks about that. Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan for our lives. And, and everybody know that it is God who is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we all understand that if you're a Christian today, you, there's a sense inside of your soul. You may not even know what it fully looks like. But there's something on the inside of your soul that shouts greatness. You know that you're supposed to be better than where you are. You, you know instinctively you have been called to great things. 
But understand something, that as you're moving toward God's plan for your life, that there are going to be distractions. Everybody say distractions. The devil is going to do everything he can to distract you and keep you from achieving the purpose for which God has called you and I. So we're going to be distracted. How many know that distractions can be a destiny and dream killer? Distractions can be a destiny and dream killer. Many people fail to achieve their purpose in life. Watch this. Not because... God didn't have a plan for their life, not because there's not something for them to do, but oftentimes because they get distracted. You know, I was I had an opportunity to go to the Dallas Cowboys training camp a few weeks ago. And some of you all, you've heard me brag about it and I'll probably brag about it forever, you know, but uh, and I don't apologize for that. But but one of the things that, that you understand that when they have training camps, this is amazing that they take the football players Watch this. Away from everything and everybody. They remove them away from their family. They remove them away from their friends. They remove them away from all the distractions. Now these big, grown, barely strong men, they have curfews. They have to be in bed at a certain hour. They tell them when to get up. And during the whole, the whole month that they're in training camp, they take away everything from them except the thing that they need in order to win the Super Bowl. They do it because they know that if the athletes get distracted, if something comes their way and, you know, if they get uh, lured by some temptation or whatever the case might be, then they won't be focused and accomplish their goals. So we got to understand that as Christians that if we're going to accomplish our goals, how many know that we have, to, we have to beware of distractions? Jesus said this. This is a wonderful uh, statement that he made. He said, I have a baptism to complete, and I am distressed until I accomplish it. Jesus understood that he was on a mission. And one of the things about his life, when you look at his life, when you really begin to scale his life, you, you see a man, because he was 100% man, and he was 100% God. He's a God-man. So we see a, the, the man, Christ Jesus, he was focused. You know, there were times that they wanted to shake him. And they said, oh, Jesus, right now you need to overthrow the Roman authority and you need to set up your kingdom right now. Now, if Jesus was being led by what people were saying, if Jesus would have gotten distracted, then he would have got out of place. But Jesus knew exactly what it was he was called to do. And he says, no, my time is not now. One time they said, Lord, you need to send fire from heaven and you need to burn them all up. Jesus said, you don't understand what spirit you are of. In other words, when you look at Jesus life over and over again, you see a man that he was focused. Jesus took no steps without purpose. Let me say that again. Jesus took no steps without purpose. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So everything Jesus did, the Bible says a, a good man, a wise man foresees the evil and hides himself. And why does he do? Well, how is he doing that? Because he are, he's aware that there are distractions, that, that there are going to be things that's going to try to pull you away from what God has called you to. And, and so you've got to be purposeful. Many Christians, for an example, have, have, have gotten into trouble because they were distracted. We've heard sometimes of, we, hear, we have Christian leaders 
who are, seem to be doing well, and all of a sudden they fall into adultery. How many know that that was the distraction that the enemy put there? Uh, Christians, uh, for example, they get yoked up with the, in the wrong relationships. All right? They get all mixed in the wrong relationship. All of a sudden, you're hooked up with a person who don't know God because you're believing in your heart that somehow you can change him or her. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now you're yoked up with somebody. You got distracted. You were running well, like Paul said. You did run well, but who, who tricked you? Who bewitched you? All of a sudden, now when you were walking with God, you've been distracted, and you're not following God in the same way that you were before because you got distracted. How many know that the enemy is going to work overtime to distract you? Because he don't want you to achieve your purpose. He don't want you to achieve your goal. Now, we're going to talk quite a bit this morning about Satan. And it's so important that you understand this. And I want to, I want to preface it with this. Because I say this often, and I don't think sometimes that when I say it that people fully understand it. When you came into the kingdom of God, you entered a war. You are in spiritual warfare. Whether you realize it or whether you don't, you are being faced with the enemy who is devising a plan to try and to wreck the purposes of God in your life. Now, let me say this. We do not need to fear Satan. The Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is what? In the world. But what we must do now is not give place to the devil. How many know that many of us we're losing and not winning at the level that we should because we give place to the devil and then we want to blame the devil? Come on, somebody. See, we can't give place to the devil. But but here's the thing. I don't I don't I'm not preoccupied. You never hear me spend a whole lot of time. You ever met some Christian man? Every other word come out of their mouth, man, the devil did it. The devil did this. The devil did that. The devil did that. It's, it's like, man, it's like they're serving the devil. So, 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 you know, I don't, I don't believe, I, that, how many know that if you walk with God, everybody say walk with God. If you walk with God in the spirit of God, how many know you'll overcome every day? You'll overcome. And if you really walk with God the way you should, God will reveal to you what the enemy is trying to do. Are y'all hearing me, what, hearing what I'm saying? God will speak to you. He got, how many know that God, God, listen, listen, Jesus knew every trick that Satan was up to. Remember Peter? Peter said, Lord, and it was sincere. Now, if, if, how many, you know, Peter said, Lord, Lord. He said, he said, Lord, you can't go to the cross. Oh, no, you are not going to. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. I imagine Peter probably stood there and said, you talking, talking, talking to me? Because oftentimes the people of God are captive to his will and don't even know it. We've given up territory to the enemy, and then we get mad when we get beat up. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, so we got to understand. So I said that God, is, God, is, God has given us a call. So, so for every one of us, there's a, there's a calling. Now, there, there, this thing works two ways because we, ha, we as Christians have been all called to certain things generally. I'm going to discuss those today. But then... After that, that, those, that general call, there's a particular call that God has put on all of our life according to our gifts and according to our talents. 
But there are some general things that we have been called to. Now, why is it important to understand what we've been called to? Because you need to understand what you've been called to so you know what the devil is trying to call you out of. Do you follow me? So the devil is going to do everything he can. Remember I said a moment ago, this message is about staying focused, not being distracted. All right? Now, understand something that, that, that distractions are going to be there. Even more so nowadays. Come on. I was thinking, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. We look at our, our, our young people today and what they are confronted with. How many know that, that it's a lot different than when I was coming up? I mean, the, uh, it's, it's harder. I mean, the distractions. I didn't have PlayStation there. Yeah. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have, you know, MySpace. I, you know, I don't know if they do MySpace anymore. But, but, you know, we didn't have all those because that which could be, it could be considered good could also be a distraction. Some of you right now, if you're honest, it's nothing sinful like, the, like this scripture verse we talked about earlier. It said cast aside the sin and the weight. Everybody say weight. Everybody say, wait, the weights. You see, see, for some of us, it's not that some of these things are sin in and of themselves, but they are a distraction. How many know that Facebook can be a distraction? How many know the PlayStation can be a distraction? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm preaching real good now. I'm coming right to you. How many know the TV can be a distraction? Some of you love your TV. You, get, you love your TV, TV so much, it's 75 inches. And it takes you 20 minutes to look from one side all the way to the other, but you're consumed in that. Nothing wrong with TV. But how many know if it's distracting you to the point that you're not praying, you're not spending time with God, and you can't hear, how many know you're getting yourself in trouble? And how many know it's, it's what we call a problem? So what have we been called to? Let's, let's dig in this. This is not too deep, but I got to cover this part. So what have we been called to? Uh, first thing we've been called to, we've been called to holiness. That's everybody. I mean, look at your name and say, you're supposed to be holy. <laughs> the Bible says, I mean, the enemy would do everything he can. See, the word holy means this, to be sanctified, to be separate. I mean, you know, the Christian's got to be comfortable being a Christian. Oh, y'all, know, listen. Too many, too many of us, I can tell, I can tell, listen, I can tell you why we're not comfortable being a Christian, because we're still trying to be like the world too much. Come on, somebody. The Bible calls us to be holy. It means to be separate. It, it means to be sanctified. It, it means to be set apart. It means to be holy and fully devoted to God. How many know the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you, to try to make sure that you, you walk in unholiness? But you got to be wiser. We've been called, number two, to abstain from sexual immorality. That ain't just for a couple of Christians. That ain't just for a couple of folks that are serious about God. Or that's not just relegated to a person. Y'all, y'all, y'all listen. It's not relegated to a person who are, quote, unquote, called in the ministry, whatever that means. Because I, I, I would make the argument that you're all called in the ministry. We all are called. But how many know that we're called to abstain? from sexual immorality. See, the devil want to tempt you to have sex with whenever you want, whoever you want, with no boundaries. Am I right about it? In our society today, how many know that there's an identity crisis and it's manifested itself in a whole lot of ways? Sexually, people are confused. They are, they are, are you hearing me? 
God has spoken very clearly in his word. And listen, we don't need to try to parse it. We don't even need to try to understand the Greek and the Hebrew. It says it plainly who we're supposed to be sexually. So we're called to abstain from sexual immorality. We're called, let, me, let me say this just in case somebody don't get this. You're only supposed to have sex with, uh, within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. And the church said, any church outside of that, any sex outside of that is what? Are y'all hearing that? That's what the Bible says. And now I'm going to say it whether y'all like it or not. Because listen, how many know the only thing that will set people free is truth? Truth makes people free. You don't pacify people and keep, keep letting them live in lies. They never get free. We're the children of the free. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So we got to walk in it. We are called to overcome. Listen to me. We are, no, we are called to love our enemies. Satan wants to distract you with hate. Well, you know, they treated me. You don't understand how they treated me. It doesn't matter. Listen, honestly, I can sympathize with you. I can maybe even have a little compassion with you. But the Bible says you are to love your enemies. You know, enemies, usually they don't have your best interests at heart, do they? Enemies, really, their goal is to try to get you. And what did Jesus say? He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Bless them. How many know that that's your calling? And that's not just for a couple of people. That's for everybody. See, how many know that God can't use haters? God can't use haters. If we can't start with love, you can forget it. Love that must be driven by a, by a connection with Almighty God, and my love for you is not predicated upon what you do to me. Christians are still trying to get delivered from that. If you can't, listen, listen. He says, love your enemies. How much more are you supposed to love one another? Are y'all hearing that this morning? We're called to overcome evil by doing good. So, no, you can't get revenge. Really, you shouldn't even be imagining revenge. I know some of you, you don't act it out, but you imagine it, don't you? Hmm, let me think, boy, it'd be nice if I just, ooh, boy, it is. Ooh, boy, you just think about it. Ooh, just, you go into your happy place, and you do well on that. Remember, the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. So how many know that you got to cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God? So in other words, you got to think right. You can't even think it. <laughs> can't even think it. Don't even imagine evil. Just, you know, the way every time somebody does, every, every time somebody does evil to you, here's how you deal with it. I'm going to overcome you by doing just the opposite of what you did to me. I'm going to overcome the evil by doing good. This is what we've been called to. Then lastly, we've been called. There's so many more things I can't cover them all. But how many know we've been called to forgive? Oh, that's a big one. Satan wants to distract us with bitterness. He'll do everything he can to tell you, you need to hold on to that. You need to, and we've become sophisticated because we know how to justify walking in bitterness. Well, I need to protect my spirit. Really? The only way you're going to protect your spirit is to get free and forget. We've all been called to forgive. Along with all of that, 
also the particular assignments that God has given each and every one of us. Now, let's go back to Satan. So we understand that there are some things that we've been called to. So remember this. Satan don't want you to forgive, so he will work in your life to make sure you don't. All right? He's going to try to distract you. He wants you, want you to take revenge on people. He wants you to hate people. He wants you to strike back at people that attack you. He wants, listen, Satan will do whatever he can to make sure and distract you. He wants to tempt you and lead you into sexual immorality. He don't want you to be holy. This is, this, is, this is what you've been called to, but this is what the enemy is trying to do to pull you away from that. Now let's look at some of Satan's tactics. Wow, this is deep. Are you still with me? Say amen. See, the root of every distraction designed to pull us away from the purposes of God is Satan. Satan is not this figure that you see with a pick fork, you know, with all, all dressed in red, and we got images of the enemy. The, I, the, the enemy looks nothing like what you might think. The Bible says that, that he's, he, 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 he disguises himself. Satan knows how to disguise himself into whatever is needed for the moment to try to pull you away from what God has for you. So the Bible says for Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, this is a familiar passage of scripture, and you should really meditate on this as often as you can. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Get this. Listen to this. Principalities. Structures, powers, rulers. That means these are people that have authority of, dark, of the darkness of this age. Look at this. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. They are all over the place. Now watch this. The, more, the higher the rank you are in the kingdom, the more you are subject to be attacked by the enemy. Let me say that again. The more serious you are, as a Christian, the more devoted that you are, the more determined that you are to walk with God, you need to know that the enemy, they're having a board meeting about you even right now. See, when the Bible says, see, how many know there are rank and foul demons working overtime to lure you outside the purpose of God? Just in case you didn't know it, Satan is strategic and he is very patient. Satan will wait, and he will wait, and he will wait, and he has dispatched forces in the earth that are designed, listen to me, that got their eyes on you, and they're thinking up ways, they're conjuring up schemes to try to trap you and trick you and get you to fall. They're scheming up ways to destroy your life. How many know that? Satan, Satan will like, like nothing more than to have you marry the wrong person. He would like nothing more than to distract you with the wrong job. By the way, every job opportunity that, is a good op- that appears like a good opportunity and, make, and you may make a lot of money, how many know that every job opportunity don't necessarily mean it's coming from God? Some people think some people are slave to the dollar. You got a price. Mm. How do you know Satan knows what that price is? So every every great looking job doesn't necessarily mean that it is of God. So you got to be discerning. 
Because how many know we got an enemy, so we got to be wiser? And listen, we got to be, it can't be just all about the money. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Satan wants to lead you to make, he wants to distract you. He wants you to make uh, uh, emotional decisions. I can't tell you that as a law enforcement officer, how many times I sit down and interrogated people who were good people, some even Christians, whose life was on a trajectory where they were inside of the will of God, and for a moment they lost it. They did something foolish, and now they're paying the price for years. How many know the enemy will do whatever he can to distract you? He knows your buttons. He studies you. Say no. He knows He knows where your buttons are, and, and, and he's devising a scheme even right now. Look, look at this, 1 Peter 5, 8, to just give you an example. How many know that the devil is on the offensive? Y'all hear that? Satan is on the offensive. Listen, you don't, if you're sitting here this morning thinking, man, I just wish that Satan just leave me alone. I just leave me alone, Satan. I just want to serve God. How many know he ain't going to leave you alone? He's, he's not going to leave. The Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. All right? Why? Because your adversary, he's your adversary. Don't play with the devil. He's your adversary. Don't play with sin. He's your adversary. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So to be sober and vigilant really means that you are disciplined and focused. You know, when a, you know one thing, you ever, you ever, you ever notice a drunk? Because I, I, you know, I, I know none of you get drunk in here. I know that's because you're saved, you're sanctified, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. I, so I know y'all don't do that. But, but you ever notice a drunk? I mean, like a drunk drunk? How many know they don't have no focus? You ever seen them? I mean, like this, you know? And, and then, you know, they get their wallet taken. They get jacked up. And then they wake up the next morning. They're in places. They don't even know where they were supposed to. How did I get here? Now, I know none of y'all have never experienced that because you say sanctified, feel the Holy Ghost. You're good people. I know that. Right? Church said amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Satan, he wants to do that. He wants to distract us. And so a whole legion of demons that they have structure, they have, they, they have principalities. He's sitting down and he's trying to do whatever he can to distract you. But here's the, here's the thing about it. He can't win unless you let him win. You ever hear people say the devil just, the devil just whipping me up? Why is the devil whipping you up? You ever, you ever ask yourself the question? Did the devil whip up on Jesus? Answer me. I'm, and, and, did he whip? No. Jesus was always in control. And Jesus called him out. How many know that you're supposed to be winning? In Matthew chapter 4, we, we started this particular passage of scripture. We started this morning with this uh, passage in Matthew Chapter 4, verses 3 to 10. So understand, are we still talking about Satan's distractions and how he distracts us? So Jesus, how many know that Satan will try and distract us when we are at a weak point, vulnerable? When does Satan come to Jesus? After he'd been fasting for 40 days. And what did he say to him? Hey, if I, I can paraphrase. Hey, ain't you hungry? I mean, it's been like a whole lot of days. 
won't you go ahead, because you, you are the son of God, won't you go ahead and turn the stone into bread? Hey. Satan came to him at his weakest moment. Can I say, let me say this to you, that I know some of us like vacation. I, I like to take, anybody like to take vacation? I like to take vacation. But can I tell you this? You never, ever take a vacation. You never, ever take a vacation from your, 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 your spiritual walk with God. In other words, listen, listen to me, church. You can't ever let your guard down with the enemy. Let me say that again. You can't ever let your guard down, ever. Why? Because he said it. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's going to come to you when you're at your weakest point, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you had everything come at you. This is the moment where Satan is going to come and he's going to send the right person. Dispatch him now because now this is the perfect time. And if you're not wise enough, you're not walking in the spirit, then you'll get distracted and you'll follow the enemy. And you'll get yourself in trouble and you think like, oh, God, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So he comes when we're at our weakest moment. So we can't, how many know Jesus never let his guard down? Never. You can never let your guard down, ever, spiritually speaking. You can't. You got to always be spiritually aware of what's happening around you. How many know that Satan will try to kill you? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What did he say to Jesus? If you're the son of God, why don't you go ahead and jump? What do you think Satan was just, do you think Satan was just asking Jesus to jump just for fun? He said, oh, why don't you just go ahead and jump? I mean, if you hit your, you know, you won't hit your head on the stone because, you know, God is sending his angels and they'll, and they'll protect you. How many know that had Jesus obeyed what Satan said? then perhaps we wouldn't be sitting here today in the position that we are today. See, Satan wanted to kill him. And see, how many know that, that Satan wants to distract you, but Satan don't just want to distract you. Satan wants you out. This is why he wants he want you to be an alcoholic. He wants you to, have, to be a hooked on. He wants you to, he want to introduce heroin to you. He, he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. Satan wants, he wants your life over. And if you're saved today, he can't do nothing about your salvation, but he can do everything he can to stop you from having any influence and any impact. And I don't know about you, but I want to make an impact in this world. Is there anybody living today that said, I want to make a difference? I want to make, I want, when I leave, I want somebody to say, he left. But if you leave and people say, oh, he, I ain't know that. Come on. See, Satan will distract you with material wealth. He said, to, he said to Jesus, I'll give you everything. I mean, look, Jesus, take a look. All the kingdoms of the world. And how do you know Satan know how to make it look good, don't he? Oh, Satan know how to put it. He know how to make it look real good to you. And he said, I'll give you all of this, Jesus, if you just bow down. And worship me. See, Jesus understood this one thing. All the kingdoms of the world are already his. <laughs> See, a lot of Christians don't understand that. 
See, you all upset. You mad because you didn't get the big house. You didn't get the big car. You didn't get this. You didn't get that. How many know the Bible said the meek shall inherit the earth? How many know the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the who? Are y'all hearing that? So you can't tempt me with what I already have. See, a lot of Christians still have an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. We don't understand what we got. We already have it. So Satan tried to tempt Jesus. And how many know that he, he tempts us the same way? He would tempt us with money because he knows that some people would do anything for money. I had a dude one time ask me some dumb question. Man, would you kiss a dude for a million dollars? No, I ain't going to kiss no dude for no million dollars. Look at him and say distraction. Because I have principles. I'm holy. I'm a man of God. You hear what I'm saying? And I cannot be bought. See, there's some folk that can be bought. Satan knows. He knows how some folk are, and he dangled the right amount of money, and he knows he'll pull you outside the will of God. You know in your heart you shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway because the money look good, and then you try to justify it by saying, oh, God done blessed me because my bank account then exploded. Yeah, your bank account exploded, but you ain't having no impact, and you're outside of the will of God. Can I give you some advice? Don't sell your destiny for dead presidents. Are you hearing me? Don't sell your destiny for dead presidents. It ain't worth it. Don't let the enemy try to distract you with material things. Listen, everything that you do, ask the question, God, God, God are you in this? God, God, what are you saying? God, how can I use my gifts? God, God, I, I, this seems like an opportunity for me, God, but are you really involved in this? How many know we got to ask those questions? Because if we don't, trust me, you'll get deceived. And then some of us have been walking around. You know, children of Israel, what did they do for 40 years? And then every now and then you look up and say, I thought I'd been here before. You keep on going. Hey, I've been here before. Huh. But how many know, ever learning, never coming to a knowledge of the truth? Because Satan... Keeps, how many know he's up to the same old tricks? He ain't changed. So he's going to distract you. And not only that, how many know that Satan is going to use other people to distract you too? Sometimes he'll use the people that you love most. Uh oh, let me, let me hold up, hold up, hold up. That was too much. That was a little bit too heavy. Right? How many know that, that, that Satan is a master deceiver? Look at this. This is Matthew chapter 27, verse, verses 27 and 31. I'm starting to come down. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, look at this, church, watch this. They put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail to the king of Jews. Now listen to this. Watch this. Then they spat on him, took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his clothes on, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now, how many know that Jesus had to be focused? Aren't you glad that when they were yelling at him, come down off that cross, aren't you glad he didn't come down? Aren't you glad? He was focused. Jesus didn't let. I mean, come on, church. I mean, they stripped him. They, they humiliated him. 
They physically abused him. You know how some of us are, man. I mean, we've been taught, man, if somebody hit us, to do what? Come on. Come on. <laughs> I remember I got in a fight. You know, Bishop, y'all remember Bishop Gay? He came and spoke at our anniversary service, was it last year? Me and Bishop Gay, we were kids. Me and Bishop Gay used to fight. And I remember one time we were fighting, and Bishop Gay whipped my butt. I ran home, told my daddy, Bishop Gay. Well, I didn't say Bishop Gay. He was Darren. He was, he was kids. He was, I mean, little kids. And he said, boy, get back outside. I tried to come in the house, and he won't he, get back out there. He won't even let me in the door. Go back. Because that's the way we've been taught. We've been taught, man, somebody hit me, man, oh, it's over. Like, I'm, I'm going to get you back. They was physically abusing Jesus. And you know what he did? He maintained his focus. But not only that, it gets worse. They spit on him. Now, that is the lowest form of disrespect that you can ever give anybody. I mean, you can punch me, knock my teeth out. That's one thing. But, man, when you spit on me, oh, <laughs> brother, all bats are off. Anybody ever been spit on? You know what I'm talking about. You get... I mean, you get spit on, it's like, oh, no, oh, no, it's over now, brother. We, we, we're going to pray later. We're going to deal with this. That's, that's how, we'll lose it, man. You just spit on me, bro. You spit on me. I mean, I don't, even like no, I don't even like nobody to accidentally spit on me. Come on, somebody don't talk about me. I was on the plane the other day. A lady was talking to me. She spit on my lip. And I, I, my lip got crusty because I wouldn't wash it for like till I got to the restroom. But 25, I had to wait 35, 40 minutes. I don't even like to be spit on by accident. But here they spat on him and they abused him. And Jesus, what did he do? He kept his focus. He kept his focus because he understood. Watch this, church. Had he, Jesus lost it, it would have cost him his purpose. Watch this. And our salvation. So he, he understood what God had called him to. He knew it. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to let this. They're going to talk about me. They're going to beat me up. I mean, some of us, we, we can't even stand. Somebody talk about us, we lose it. Come on, somebody. Oh, what are they saying about me? How many know that you need to come to a place in your life that you really don't care what they say about you? Y'all hear what I'm saying? I mean, you can care, but you, can, but you really don't care. You, you know, because if you live your life trying to be a people pleaser, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be what God. You got to learn how to just do and be what God's called you to do. Love everybody. Be good. But if they're going to talk about you, how many know that somebody always talking about you? Come on. Some of y'all just got that revelation. Somebody talking about you right now, probably. That's <laughs> what it is. But you can't be distracted because they said some bad things about me. So what? Your character will always vindicate you. Are you hearing me? When you walk with God, your character will, will, it will be your greatest defense. So that the Bible says that when they talk evil of you, they will be ashamed because your life is far different than what they said. I don't know about you, but I want to. I want to walk with him the right way. So here's, so you remember Peter. So, so now that we, we're really landing the plane now, now that the, the, the flight attendants got on their thing, says sit, put the seat trays up. Y'all, that part of the flight, we're there now. So Matthew 14, 28, y'all remember Peter. I, I don't have time to read it. But Peter, so what happened when we lose our focus? So here's Peter. He sees Jesus walking the water, says, Lord, I want to come. I, Bid me, Lord, if it's you, bid me, come. And, and Peter, Peter starts walking on the water. Isn't that cool? Peter was walking on the water. The only people I ever know that walked on the water was Jesus and Peter. 
How many know Peter was a, Peter was a man of faith? Talk, say whatever you want about Peter, but Peter walked on water. And why did he walk on water? Because he kept his eyes on Jesus. But boy, that, you know, it didn't take long. Soon as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, I mean, like almost instantly, boom, he started sinking. Am I right about it? See, see, when we take our focus off Jesus and when we allow ourselves to be distracted, we start sinking. We settle for the status quo. We start following our own instincts instead of following the spirit. We're more easily manipulated and misguided when we lose our focus. But how many know that if you keep your focus on Jesus, you'll get to your goal. You'll get to your goal. Lastly, just these are three things and we're done. So how do we keep our spiritual focus? Here's how we do it. Understanding that our focus and our ability to focus and to, to not allow distractions to lure us away outside the will of God, we understand that in order for us to achieve what God has for us, that we have to, we have to uh, be disciplined. Like Paul said, we have to beat our bodies. We have to discipline ourselves. We got to run the race with patience. We have to know where we're going. So how do we maintain and keep our focus? In Hebrews 12, we got to keep looking under Jesus. Looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the same, he sat down at the right hand of God. So when I talk about keep looking unto Jesus, that's not just a cliche. It simply means that, that we are to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Sister uh, Tara said something this morning that she said something about just acknowledging just the awareness of God present just when I'm doing my hair. And it, it may sound frivolous, but think about it. You can't ever talk to God too much. See, the reality is we talk to God far less because we think talking to God is only when we get up in the morning, spend those two or three moments, and then we don't talk no more until there's a problem or until we go to church. We don't talk to him. How do you know God wants you talking to him all day long? In all your ways, in all your ways. Looking unto Jesus means in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Seek him for direction every day. Just seek him every day. Then watch this. The second thing is we got to stop making excuses. Now, how long are you going to allow yourself to be distracted from God's calling? You know, well, I can't come to church today. Why? I'm just tired. How many of you are always going to be tired? Oh, come on. Boy, it got, boy, oh, that's the, oh, I got to get that album right there. Oh, oh, the kids ain't acting right. How many know the kids ain't ever going to all act right? Am I, you hear what I'm saying? You got to take the bull by the horn and say, oh, we going to do this. Look at your neighbor and say, we going to do this. We going to do this. We got to do it. How long? Well, I can't come to Bible study. Well, I just had a busy week. Well, you always going to have a busy week. Oh, you know, oh, something just came up. Well, what came up? Ah, you know. You know? Oh, I, I can't give because I got other things to pay. Are you going to stop ever having other things to pay? How many of you are always going to have other things to pay? See, what I'm trying to show is that these are little distractions that if we're not careful, they're designed to pull us outside of the will of God. And then lastly, 
No, yes, lastly, you got to maintain your spiritual disciplines. Even when you don't feel like it, may I add. Church attendance, fellowships. Now, why are church attendance and fellowships so important? Because they stimulate your faith. You know, atmosphere is very important. And you're in the minority. Most of the folk that you deal with outside of this room, they don't believe like you believe. They are not Christians. So their way of thinking is completely opposite of yours. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to maintain your spiritual focus? Focus is you're going to, you're going to fellowship. You're going to, you're going to read your Bible every day. Everybody say every day. Get, get, every day read your Bible. Pray every day. Read your, these are spiritual disciplines. You know, you let one day go by, two days going by. How many of you ever woke up and you fully admit to, but all of a sudden it's two, three days going by, man, you ain't spent no time, you ain't, spent, you ain't read your Bible in three or four days. Come on. You got to read your Bible and pray every day. See, if you're going to stay spiritually focused, you got to do that. See, if I'm going to work out, I'm going to be an Olympic athlete, and I want to really train and be good at my craft, I'm probably going to have to work at that almost every day, every day, every day. These are disciplines that help us to maintain our spiritual growth. So, so I just want to encourage you. I want you to encourage you because, yes, you will be distracted. Yes, there are going to be things that are going to come your way, but you're a winner. So you got to win in your mind. We talked about that. You got to prepare. You got to be determined. And you got to be focused. If you do those things that we talked about throughout this whole series, if you do those things, you will win as a Christian. And God will get all the glory. Amen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.